It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The new performance Volkswagen R range of vehicles. Test drive now at Solitaire Volkswagen, Hawthorne and Medindi. Welcome to Saturdays in SA with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. Yes, good morning to you. Great to have your company this morning. Don't forget as well, the new performance R range now at Solitaire Volkswagen. Go down and see the guys and get yourself an absolute sensational new car. Bryce Gibbs is in. There is so much to talk about this week. Um, to say the least, Gibbs, it's been a pretty solid week. Has there been much happening this week, Hazy? Yeah, let me go. You've just been asleep for a week, have you? <laughs> I have. I have. <laughs> yeah. No, it has been a big week. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people are talking about a lot of issues that mm. are happening at the moment. They certainly are. And we're about to get stuck into them in the next sort of couple of minutes ago. And next sort of couple of minutes. But what we will say is uh, we're going to mix this morning with a lot of stuff that's happening during the week. Your experiences with the camp with some fun. And what I'm looking forward to as well is chatting to your old man, Ross Gibbs. We get him on, the absolute South Australian piece of football royalty, to chat some um, country footy stories because from what I'm hearing as well, and we hear it firsthand, uh, Ross Gibbs, as good off the field as he was on. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried actually. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried that when we get him on, it's going to be hard to get him off because once he starts talking about the glory days, as he used to likes to call it, uh, him telling stories about... His football career and his football journey—it's uh, hard to—it's hard to stop him. So uh, should be a, a colourful interview that one, I reckon. Very good stuff. The glory days, and there were a lot of them. Don't you worry about that. You would have watched the football last night, and Collingwood keep on getting it done. All of a sudden, Collingwood have gone from this nice little story, seventeenth to whatever they're going to finish in uh, this year, to a genuine contender. Um, Ed Langdon as well. His words a couple of days ago bit him on the ass, but I just love that he went down that path. Yeah, Collingwood just keep getting it done, don't they? And it's an um, unbelievable run that they're going on at the moment. 11 wins on the trot by close margins, but they just keep finding a way. And in that second quarter, they're up against it. It was going to, the margin looked like it was going to be oh, how much are they going to lose by? But they grit their teeth and they've, they, they've just been unbelievable the, the second half of the year. And I haven't been sold on them, but it's hard not to now with oh. the, the performances they keep putting out on the park. Jump on board because, as we know, there are pie supporters who just absolutely appear out of the cracks each and every sort of section. And uh, if you are a pie supporter, you'd be up and about. Get involved. 0427-154-166. We'll talk more on that as well. Um, we'll take a deep dive into the games this weekend. Of course, Port Adelaide taking on Richmond tonight. We'll speak to Tyson Goldsack. And a big opportunity for the second time this year for the Crows to win back-to-back games. They play the West Coast Eagles over in Perth. Um, so we'll take a deep dive into that, but some exciting games ahead. Yeah, it is. I'm really looking forward to this this round of footy. Uh, and as you said, both Adelaide teams are a huge shot in uh, in winning this week. And um, yeah, they'll be pretty determined to do so. So we'll certainly dive into what those games look like a bit later on. Need to speak about Isaac Rankin as well and this godfather offer that is on the table for him to defect back to South Australia and join the Crows. And now the latest rumours, it's around about $900,000 a year for five years. So um, just put yourself in that position if you're a young man and sort of finding your feet in the AFL world. It's pretty hard to turn down, I would have thought. It's extremely hard to turn down. And 
yeah, by him not signing already and recommitting to the Gold Coast Suns, you think that he's uh, he could be on the way out, mm. or it's likely that he'd be on the way out and, and coming home to South Australia, and it would be a huge get for the Adelaide Crows if those sort of rumours are, are on the money. All right, that's all on the agenda. Big show coming up, but right now, let's get straight into it. So during the week, Eddie Betts uh, launched his book, and everyone had all their eyes on one particular chapter, and that was about the Crows camp at the end of 2017, and it was absolutely damning. The follow-up was Josh Jenkins, who spoke yesterday, 11.16 in Melbourne, um, and he brought to life more points from Eddie's, uh, Eddie's book, but also some of his own personal experiences, in particular what's now known as the harness. I was fighting against three or four teammates who would then let go of the rope so I would fall to the ground. At different stages... Comments were thrown at me whilst on the harness in regards to the way I was raised and why I act like I do at the club and on the field. Some were from teammates being prompted to verbally jab me and some were from camp facilitators who had obviously shared intel on me as a person. There was a man on a set of drums who said he was drumming in time with the beat of his heart. Mm. Uh, the other thing as well, which I think connected with a lot of people, Eddie said along the same lines, was the counsellor. And the information, the personal information that was shared, that was eventually used against some of your teammates. It's not quite working, that little grab, but uh, what we can tell you is, um, yes, Josh Jenkins yesterday really bravely uh, spoke about a lot of things. And just quickly, Gibbsy, before we get to you, we need to hear from Roy Sloan, who was on 5AA during the week. The experience I had and where I'm talking about being a better husband, father and son there, there was a thing on the camp we did it was called an honoring chair and i got to sit there in front of my friends and teammates and they got to tell me all the reasons that they loved me as a person so i was sitting there quite vulnerable and they went through one-on-one about why they love rory sloan the person and i found that incredibly um, rewarding and uplifting yeah yeah. and then i got to do the same so i got to sit down in front of um, all my teammates and some guys that I would never have shared that sort of stuff with in my life and I got to tell them why I love them as a person. I took that exercise and for people like my mum, my dad, my brother, my sister, I'd, I'd never shared that with them mm. before. So there you go, different views from the skipper. Um, the other thing we need to tell you as well is that Bryce, I mean, you welcome questions on this via the text line throughout the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy yep. to. 0427 154 166. Let's get into it because you were only a couple of months into your career at the Crows when you got the news that you were going on this camp. Yeah, that's right. And we've obviously heard uh, a couple of guys' experiences in pretty pretty raw detail. Um, and it, it has been hard to, to revisit that and, and listen to, to some of your mates express how they were feeling. Um, and, and that's sort of how it's played out. Everyone experienced this camp differently. Uh, and my experience, which you know I'm going to touch on now, was was certainly different to to the guys that have spoken out already. Um, and yeah, like as you said, it started back when when I arrived at the club uh, in the in the trade period, whenever it was in October, November, um, and it was put to us that they were going to go on this camp uh, in the new year. And uh, I just arrived at the club. Uh, I wanted to to arrive and. The biggest thing for me was to earn respect from your teammates and, and build relationships as, as quick as you could or as quick as you can. So I do remember sitting in that meeting uh, with more senior players uh, and they, the club expressed that the camp was going to um, go ahead and there was going to be a couple of different groups. 
group one, group two, group three, and we sort of had to decide who was going into group one. Um, and for me, I, I sort of, well, they explained that that was going to be the most intensive intensive group. Uh, and for me, I, I saw it as an opportunity to fast track relationships with, with these guys, these new teammates of mine that, that I was going to be playing with uh, going forward. So that's the sort of way I looked at it. So I, I jumped at the opportunity to be involved in, in the most intense group, uh, as I said, to, to try and fast track these, these relationships with these guys. Um, so from there, a couple, of, a couple of things were a little bit strange. Uh, we were told that we we're going to be told no information about what we we're going to do. Uh, that was a part of the, the program, a part of the, the camp. That's, that's how they wanted to go about it. Uh, and basically, you've, you've just got to trust us that you're going to be okay. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be challenging, but uh, you, you'll, be, you'll be okay, which I thought was a little unusual. Um, I'm not going to lie there. So, but still, uh, I, I kept an open mind um, and, and decided to, to still continue to, to be in Group 1, um, as I said, for reasons to try and fast-track relationships with my new teammates. Uh, uh, like others have stated, uh, during the week, I also took a call from a counsellor to, um, to talk about my childhood and, and past experiences. Uh, and I, I actually thought this was a bit of a red flag as well from, from my point of view. And during this interview process, I actually didn't really disclose too much. Um, I mean, I, I was pretty lucky enough to have a... Um, a pretty good upbringing, a, a really great childhood, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of trauma, so to speak, uh, growing up. But even still knowing that, I was still pretty calculated in what I was telling this person. I, I didn't trust them. I, I didn't know them. Uh, and I, I thought it was unusual to be doing that leading into a camp. Uh, so I was very calculated in what I said and, and didn't really give too much away. Uh, and then, I mean, leading into the camp, I can remember talking to a, a lot of the other players uh, about what could we potentially be in for. And it actually started to cause a little bit of anxiety at times in terms of what, what's going to happen, what are we going to get put through, how hard is it going to be, um, and just trying to answer those questions. And I think that probably built up leading into the camp for, for, some, for some of us. Uh, but anyway, I, I still was determined to... Put, uh, put my hand up and, and give it a go and, and see what was going to come out of it. So obviously from then we, we ended up on the Gold Coast and, and that's when things kicked off and uh, a lot of unusual things started to happen. Uh, it's been um, well spoken about already about you know getting rushed down a set of stairs under a bus with the windows blacked out, um, we were blindfolded. Heavy metal music was playing full bore. There's a guy on a microphone, you know, potting, potting players, talking about the grand final, uh, talking about me and uh, leaving, leaving my old club, um, which it didn't affect me too much because, I, I mean, I didn't have the emotional baggage from the year before in terms of playing in the grand final and losing it. So I didn't, that didn't really have a, a, an effect on me uh, and actually found it quite amusing at times knowing that they're trying to rattle us trying to get under our skin um and I sort of it didn't affect me too much there they, like they even pretended to we weren't allowed to talk on the on the bus too and I remember they, they pulled over and they made a big scene about oh someone spoke and uh they pretended to kick someone off the bus 
which was uh, which was a little bit strange. So all these little things that kept happening that was strange, but didn't think too much of it. And you know, reflecting back, it was obviously plenty of red flags that, that were happening uh, as the as the camp went on. Um, when we when we when we were there. Uh, Activity started to happen and a couple of strange rules were put in place. Like when we were walking from place to place, we had to walk in a straight line. We weren't allowed to talk to each other. Uh, they wouldn't let us shower. Uh, they'd taken our mobile phones off us. We weren't allowed to speak to, to anyone from back home. And, and our guys had kids and that, that was a bit of a, a touch point as well that, you know, why can't I bring, bring back home and check in with my kids at night? So there were a lot of things that happened that was just... It was hard to justify why we needed to do some of these things. So, um, and then, then, then we we witnessed uh, what we were going to be put through uh, in Group One, and and I think it's been um, been described as a harness ritual, which you know I suppose that's what you could call it. Uh, and we got demonstrated this um, by by a, a, a person that we, we didn't know. Uh, and it was, it was it's actually it was actually hard to explain what we were witnessing like it was a bit like what is going on here this is this is strange and i remember looking over to a couple of the boys and shaking our heads and going like what are we in for how what are we going to get out of this uh but again uh, i just kept telling myself it's okay we're things are going to be all right i'm i'm here i'm going to keep an open mind and Again, I, I kept coming back to this relationship thing. I, this is going to help me build stronger relationships with these guys moving forward. Um, so then once the, once the first guy went, well, the first player went on this, on this ritual, I think it was, it was then whether you thought it was right, wrong or indifferent, I think we felt, oh, I felt like I was, I was in, I had to do it. I, I couldn't pull out now. Uh, one person had gone, I, I had to, I had to go through with it. Um, and I had my time on the harness and, and experienced what I experienced. And it was completely different to, to what some of the other guys experienced on the harness. And it probably related back to me being pretty reserved in that counselors meeting. I didn't give too much away. And I, I probably wasn't attacked with some of the stuff that other guys were attacked with. Um, and that made the experience for me probably a, a little bit easier on reflection. Um, but I certainly, there were certainly people in my face and, uh, and telling me that I left my old club and that I was a, a average player and whatever, whatever, but you know, I could cop that. I was, I was pretty, I, I could, I could get through that, but, um, Watching other players go through what they went through, that was pretty tough. Uh, and it was pretty... I, I, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't really know how to justify it, how to, how to, how, what to make of it. Um, so so did, did you, did you want to stop it at any stage but felt like it's not your place, giving you well, effectively the new guy? I felt like we were, we were in a bit of a state of mind. This, this whole experience was happening around us and... A couple of guys spoke up about their concerns and um, it was sort of negotiated that we'd continue on with what we were doing and sort of, I think Eddie used brainwash as, a, um, as, a, as he described it, but I don't know, it was just a state of mind in the, in the moment. We were just 
we, we just continued doing what they'd set out to do. And it probably wasn't until later on reflecting on it that, yeah, there was probably opportunity to, to speak up a bit more. Um, and then, yeah, obviously getting spoken to and uh, getting educated on what to say to family uh, and friends and, and even the other guys in the other groups. We, we were told not to go into detail about what happened. Um, and for whatever reason, most of us stuck to that. Uh, at, at the time so post post it all uh, obviously the details of what's happened has, has come out during the week so I won't I don't really need to repeat any of that but probably the the most disappointing thing for mine was the post cam in the wash up when we were reflecting on it and, and guys started to speak up and who had issues with what had happened um, and talking about their experiences and that this wasn't great and this is where I, I'm, I as, when I reflect I feel like I was really disappointed in myself because this is when I started to take a back seat um, watching guys stand up and, and say this is not on we need to address this we need to tell people what happened they seem to get shut down pretty quickly and for me to see these guys as brave as it was to get up there and try and have their peace and to get shut down. These guys have been at the club for a number of years, had a lot of respect within the group. If I was, I felt like if I was to get up and say something, how was I going to have much pull or much weight in it as I'd only been there for five minutes? Which on reflection, I'm disappointed I didn't because there was an opportunity there to support some of my mates as they went through a lot harder experience emotionally than I did so maybe it was easier for me just to sit back and and not say anything Um, but reflecting on those ongoing conversations when we're trying to flush it out I do regret not speaking up when I I probably should have been a more experienced and and senior player of that group Um, and it did it it did fracture the playing group. It fractured relationships in the football department. Uh, players lost trust with um, with members in that football department, and we we tried to move on, where that was obviously the wrong thing to do, and that's probably why we're speaking about it four years on. And if we if it was handled correctly, and people had taken responsibility and put their hand up and knocked it on the head a lot earlier when it happened it still would have been hard and it's people still went through what they went through and still people will carry some emotional scars from it but at least it would have been deal, dealt with in the proper manner then and there is this is this relief that it's all come out or have you have you been sitting there for the best part of four years saying it will eventually come out and everyone does everyone need to know or would you have been happy for it to be buried? It's more relief for the guys that were put through more more of a mental challenge than others. Like the, the two guys that have spoken about their experiences during the week, I didn't experience that to that level because whether I didn't disclose information that would have opened me up to, to have that experience, but... Yeah, it, it, it was extremely hard to hear the guys speak this week in, and what they went through and 
reflecting on it all, like it, it just shouldn't have happened really. And I, it was easier for me to move on because I didn't have that level of experience and trauma put to me. Um, I found it easier to suppress it and squash it and just try and move on personally, which I was able to do, which made it easier for me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my experience of the camp. Obviously very different to, to a lot of people. Um, and I, like, and then I even start reflecting now, like that, that group, that went into the 2018 and 19 season. Not a not a lot of personnel had changed from that 2017 group, who had an unbelievable year football wise, made a grand final, fell short at the last hurdle. Yeah. But the way it fractured the group and the way the club declined and our performances declined, would I have played more games at the Adelaide Football Club if this camp? Didn't go ahead? Probably. Am I blaming the camp for my career ending the way it did? Absolutely not. Did it have, was it the start of things to come? Absolutely. Wasn't, wasn't the be all and end all, but yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like the decisions made to do some of these things, it, it, it ended careers. It, it, the backlash it's had for guys mentally, it's, you can't erase that from your memory. Um, and as I said before, I, I, I can talk on reflection now. I was disappointed with the way I handled it post the camp. I felt like I could have been a voice. I could have supported these guys more in a, in a group environment, in challenging some of the decisions that were made, uh, during this time and if I had my time again I would do things differently um, we're going to continue this conversation there's a lot of text coming through and we will get through absolutely each and every one of them some of these guys who revealed some unbelievably personal information particularly about upbringings uh, that was absolutely used against them which was clearly a breach in confidentiality it felt like um, looking back now from a football perspective do you think if this camp didn't happen things would have been vastly different on the field. Particularly in 2018, you've come off, I mean, you weren't there, but they've come off a grand final. I know Jake Lever leaves, but you are the missing piece. You're the big recruit. So I remember, I remember speaking about it in the media at the time. This was, this was easily going to be a chance for the Crows to take the next step. Well, yeah, I, could, I can certainly see where you're coming from. And as I said earlier, the, the playing list hadn't changed too much in that 2018, even and 2019 season, but this this fractured the group big time, and didn't allow the team to play to its potential. I don't think so. When that happens, there's going to be change. There's going to be fallout. There's going to be ramifications for for not performing to the level that the team and individuals know they can perform to and. I have no doubt that if the camp hadn't have gone ahead, 2018, 2019 would have looked a lot different. Um, so Greg Griffin was in the news last night. There is a potential lawsuit developing behind the scenes with certain players. Are you one of the players? Uh, I'm not, no. And 
that was the first time I'd heard about it uh, during the week when when that was published in the media. Do you expect this to keep going down this track? Do you, do you expect to hear from more players and do you expect it to potentially hit the courts? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I mean, it's up to the individuals whether they feel comfortable coming out and speaking and, and not everyone on the camp had a traumatic experience um, and to the levels that, that some guys experience. So, and, that, and that's fine as well. Like everyone experienced it differently and have their own opinions and feelings behind what happened and what could have been done differently or not been done differently. And there's, there's no right or wrong. Um, but if, if it gives some guys closure to what's been lingering for way too long, well, fantastic. Let's hope they can put it to bed now and move on knowing that they've got things off their chest, they, they feel better for it. Um, and, yeah, the, the, we can get on with it. Bryce is taking questions via the text line, 0427 154 166. One more before we get to the news. Uh, this one reads, when you were coming to the club in 2019, did Betts ever tell you not to or anything like that? Other than what happens to these guys being disgraceful after the camp, Betts signed another two-year deal. JJ actually wanted to stay. I don't get it. I'm sorry, but I still don't understand why this has taken four years to be released in a book and clear agreement between JJ and Betts not to speak out until after the book release. That's from Costa, who is a passionate Crows supporter. Um, can you shed some light on the confidentiality agreement if it was put in place, even to the point of the last sort of few days? Because I know when this uh, book came out and we'd spoken, you said, look, I'm not really sure where it sits in terms of what we're allowed to say. Yeah, well, I think that's that's what it was. I think there was just, there was a lack of clarity on what what was it? What what was in it? What was behind it? What was what was said? What What is not allowed to be said? So I think that's what made it, hard for players to come out and speak because yeah no one knew that the ramifications or what would happen if if they were to come out and and share their experience so that was certainly hard it's been a big 35 minutes last 35 minutes we're going to get this chat up via the podcast as soon as possible so head over to sen uh, i mean have a listen because once again third player uh, to speak and about this camp and powerful stuff bryce we're going to continue the questions as well so if you do have a question for bryce uh text it through 0427 let's jump straight into the newsroom Making news this hour, the Aussie swimmers have landed in Australia after winning 65 medals in the pool at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Splendour in the Grass attendees are being urged to monitor for meningococcal symptoms like a stiff neck and joint pain. It follows the death of a Sydney man with the disease who was at the New South Wales Music Festival last month. About 50 firefighters have managed to extinguish a massive blaze in Melbourne's north that broke out in Preston last night and spread to several buildings. And fraudsters opposing as people kids now under what's been called the high mum scam sen.com.au sports next
Now to sport, thanks to Bluebet, download the apps today, gamble responsibly. The Magpies have won their 11th game in a row with a seven-point victory over the Demons last night. Simon Goodwin disappointed in their performance. To be the team that we want to be, you can't do that. You've you got to execute better in bigger moments. You gotta, When you've got a team on the ropes, you've got to finish them off. Quaddy app. Curated picks from SEN's Pro Punters. Download today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The SEN SA Open Line 1300 736 736. A few showers about today, and we could get a thunderstorm atop of 14 degrees. Showers easing tomorrow, reaching 15. And join Gerard Waitley, Sam Edmund, Luke Hodge, and Brenton Sanderson for crunch time this morning from 10.30 on SEN SA. The new performance Volkswagen R range of vehicles. Test drive now at Solitaire Volkswagen, Hawthorne and Medindi. Welcome to Saturdays in SA with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. It's been a very, very busy morning so far. Uh, we kicked off at 8.30 and that uh, has absolutely flown by, Bryce. Almost 40 minutes have we spoken about uh, your experiences at uh, the Crows Camp, and look, we're absolutely inviting people this morning to send through a question for Bryce, if you've got one, 0427 154 166. Of course, you can tweet us as well at 1629 SENSA. Um, but look, um, we will eventually move back to this towards the end of the show, but we can move on to some other things as well. And just in short as well, how are you feeling after that? Because that, that was that was powerful. That was intense. Yeah, it's, it's not easy, and... You only sort of get one chance to you know, re- relay your your experiences, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's it was uneasy. I it was hard, as I said, hearing the guys talk and express how they were feeling for for all the, those years. Um, yeah, and no, it wasn't easy. To I was lost a little bit of sleep last night <laughs> uh, knowing that uh, I was going to be talking about it this morning but um, it's all on the table now and we can get on with it. Yep, uh, once again the text line is open. Uh, Joel's just sent through a text as well. Joel, we will absolutely get your text uh, in the next five to ten minutes so keep them coming through 0427 154 166. Uh, another thing we need to speak about as well is uh, Isaac Rankin, big news during the week. Uh, reportedly now it's upwards of around $900,000 over five years. That is the definition of a godfather offer to get him out of Gold Coast back to Adelaide uh, to play for the Adelaide Crows. First of all, in your opinion, if that's correct, those sort of terms and figures, good move? Oh, it's it's a big move. It's a big move. Look, like he, he's a star and what he's shown talent-wise and what he can do on a football field, like – he can do what most can't. And he's certainly got that X factor about him. He's an Adelaide boy. He's happy to move home by the sounds of it. And to get someone like that, of his quality, of his talent, out of, out of a team, you're going to have to go over and above. And I think if the reports are true in terms of the figures and years that they're offering up, They've got to be well and truly over above what the Gold Coast can offer him to, to get him out of there. So I think that's, that's what 
is likely to happen. He's a star. He is an absolute star. I had the pleasure of, uh, I was coaching at West Adelaide when he was coming through as a junior. And I did see a question coming through this week that uh, might have been, uh, David King put it, maybe to Kane and Kane and Kingy yesterday, but um, just about the pressure that comes with being, you know, a kid, a small forward, he'd be the highest paid easily small forward in the competition, um, who's played around about 50 games in a market like this, two-team town where we are absolutely obsessed with everything in football. It's not a two-team town, Sydney, where they can go under the radar. And whether or not he'd be able to cope with the pressure. From, from my experience, from knowing him, absolutely he would. This is a kid who had just had the most beautiful mix of confidence. The kids these days will call it swagger, but genuine belief in himself, but wasn't arrogance. It, absolutely perfect to a T. He was a... He's a, he's a young kid who is unbelievably likable but knows that he's good. Yeah. And not in a way that uh, takes him to a fault or people would say, oh, no, he's quite arrogant. He just knows what he can do and he embraces the spotlight. And even at a sample level, a 16-year-old and he's kicking uh, bags of five and he's celebrating within the crowd. And you're like, this is, <laughs> this is a kid who's in year 10 or year 11. You know, this, this guy is built for the big moments and this is a kid who would, I think, absolutely enjoy the pressure. And those kids are pretty rare. And he's already sort of gone through a bit of resilience, hasn't he, in terms of obviously the pressures coming with a, with a high pick and he'd had his injury worries. He probably wasn't performing to the level he knows he could early in his career and he copped a bit of backlash for that. He, he, there was some pressure from the media about how he was playing and, and how he was going about things, but he took it all on board and his last 12 months as a footballer He's, as you said, he's embraced that pressure and he's done something about it. And uh, some of his performances over the last 12, 18 months have been unbelievable. Uh, he's just fun to watch and he's going to be fun to watch that light over. The deal absolutely goes over the line. He'll light it up. You're listening to Saturdays in SA with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. Yeah, the new performance R range now at Solitaire Volkswagen. Go check it out and go check out the guys down there. They'll do a they do a sensational job. They'll absolutely hook you up. The text line this morning is really really busy, uh, which isn't surprising. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. Bryce kicked off the show with uh, your recollections of the now infamous Crows camp. Um, there's a lot of feedback via the text line. A lot of questions coming through. Um, so this one from Joel, well done Bryce for speaking up. At any time did Don Pike, Brett Burton or any other coaching staff question what was going on or was it just the players? Uh, f- from memory, I, I think because the coaches were involved in the different groups as well. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, they went into the camp without any information as well. So they were in the same boat as the players. Uh, and I think Josh has quoted saying that he had conversations with some of the coaches during the camp and he expressed his opinions. Um, but from that, obviously, the things continued to go ahead as, as planned. So, um, yeah, as far as I'm aware, they didn't, they were on in the same boat as, as the players in terms of not knowing what was going to be happening leading into to what, what happened. Uh, Andrew has texted through. He said, very brave of you, Bryce, for sharing your experiences. It has helped me understand the situation better. And that's a question for not just Crow supporters, but footy fans. Um, 
Where to from here? Where do you expect it to go from here? Uh, does it does it feel like for you? Does this give it somewhat sort of closure, or do you think this completely opens it up again? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, not not everyone's going to come out and feel comfortable to talk about their experiences. And as I said before, everyone experienced it differently. But it, it will give closure to the guys that struggled with it more so than others, I think. And by it coming out and guys being able to put it to bed and move on and get on with their lives, like, fantastic. That's, that's great. But it shouldn't have taken four years to get to this point. And that's obviously been well spoken about pretty heavily by, by a lot of people already. So yourself included, what we've learned is that different experiences, like you said, different experiences for different individuals. Um, this text, and this was funny because we, we took a call during the week on this as well. Hi, Bryce, you were previously reported and saying you'd been on the heart of camps at Carlton. Is this now not true? If so, why? That's from Stuart. Yeah, and I think in terms of the physical side of things, absolutely, I'd been on a lot challenging camps uh, in previous years. Um, but I think that like it was easy, easy to play a straight bat in the media post the camp because we didn't know what to say. We didn't, we didn't know, as I said, what ramifications were going to happen with coming out and, and, and saying how it was. It, it, was, it was just easier to, to bat questions away about it. And um, in terms of harder camps physically, absolutely. But harder camps mentally, not so much. Mm. All right, some good texts, uh, and we are encouraging you. And you're you're open to more texts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh four two seven one five four one double six. So Bryce is uh, recollecting his experiences at the camp. So if you do have a question, uh, that text line very much open. Uh, tweet us as well at sixteen twenty nine SENSA. It is twenty one minutes past nine. This is Saturday's in SA. There's a lot still to come as well, uh, and we will have a little bit of fun this morning as well, Gibbsy. And you know what we're going to have some fun with your old man. I feel like it's going to be a very big change of pace <laughs> going from one topic to another oh, i mean and this is uh i probably shouldn't reveal this but this is what happened off air just about two or three minutes ago bryce caught up the old man and said look it's been a really bit of heavy way to start the show we just need some light some humor and ross said leave it to me <laughs> <laughs> he thrives in uh, in these this situations is, the old man so this is his element uh, uh, Ross Gibbs, not too far away. Um, stick around. Like we said before, that text line, you can get involved. 0427 154 166. Hey, coming to you live from Studio Lumo SA, right in the heart of the city, 1 King William Street. Uh, the text line, very much open, 0427 154 166. Want to do a little bit of a whip around as well, what you can get up to across Adelaide this weekend. Climate's Trade Centre, Regency Park has the best day in prices. You can absolutely guarantee that. A bit of footy at Adelaide Oval tonight. Port Adelaide supporters, um, are you heading along? I still feel like there is still so much to play for for the rest of the year, and we'll take a deep dive into both games a little bit later on. But, I mean, a big win tonight would ease this mounting pressure on the coach, Ken Hinckley, first and foremost. I mean, you're going to get a good look at the, the big test, the big test Tickle, Bryn Tickle, what your, he can do. <laughs> your man, Tess. <laughs> and it, once you, you, know, you can't make finals, uh, some guys actually, you have to play for your career. Yep. Potentially, so it is a big week or big couple of weeks to finish the season for for a lot of players. You want to finish the season strongly as a team when you're not going to make the finals. It gives you a, a bit of confidence and a bit of a springboard leading into to the preseason. 
later on in the year. So there's still a lot to get out of these games for, for teams that aren't weather should, playing finals. Weather should be okay, although there are some showers expected today. Hopefully it sort of somewhat clears up for tonight. So that's one option. Get down to Adelaide Oval and see the power taken uh, on the Tigers. Uh, the Samples back as well. Uh, your Panthers are playing um, today against the Bloods. Yeah, Sample back after a, a bye round last week. And we need to keep winning the Panthers. There is a very slim chance we can still make finals. We need to win them all and rely on a couple of other results. But until it's mathematically impossible, as they say, Hazy, we're, uh, we're still in the hunt. So Westies are, haven't won many games this year, but they can still be a dangerous side. So Now, important, tough one. importantly, is there any information on the health of Bryce Gibbs, my my health. Yes, oh, I'm getting closer. Still, still eyeing a return. I'm getting closer. Yes. Yep. Yep. So the boys just need to keep on getting it done. And in the background, uh, just right in the uh, background scenes, is Bryce Gibbs rehabbing this shoulder diligently, getting ready for a finals push. I am. I am. So the door is ajar slightly. And I'm looking forward to walking through it, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. There you go. That's very good. Uh, what's happening this weekend? Text through 0427 154 166. Climates Trade Centre at Regency Park has the best Dakin prices. What you need, when you need it. Um, we're going to speak to Ross Gibbs very, very shortly as well. He's going to um, just take it back a couple of gears, I reckon. <laughs> it's been pretty intense, this first half of the show. And it's fair to say he enjoys talking about himself. So <laughs> he'll... Try and steal the limelight for 10 minutes and really just talk up how probably good he was. <laughs> We're just completely <laughs> fine because he was actually really good. But the glory years and the glory days, you, you've said that, and there was a lot of them. I mean, there's the premierships at Glenelg, but it sort of feels like maybe the, the biggest and best stories are coming from his time at Victor Harbour. Yeah, he, he did retire and, and headed down to the Great Southern League, uh, along with a lot of other ex Glenelg League players and they had a fair side they had about 11 or 12 ex-league players playing and they won a heap of premierships through the 90s Victor Harbour and it's fair to say they had a bit of fun along the way too which uh, the old man will no doubt share some of his experiences and stories of his playing days down there which I was a little a little young and running water and running the boundary for the teams and uh, watching him Carry on at times was uh, was a bit of an eye opener. Okay, so I'm pushing the buttons here. Just uh, you're going to give me a, a bit of a heads up. I can't remember the last time Ross Gibbs did radio, but should I be hovering around the dump button? How into it does he get when he tells these stories? Be, be, be ready to hit the dump button <laughs> just in case. All right, that's good. <laughs> it is 9:30. We're going to speak to Tyson Goldsack as well from the Port Adelaide Football Club ahead of tonight's Richmond Clash. Clash. Um, stick around as well. Jeez, uh, the Collingwood Magpies. They are on a roll, and all of a sudden. They are up in amongst it, and we're starting to talk about them as being contenders. Unbelievable stuff. It's 9.30, uh, and we get straight into the newsroom. Good morning. Welcome to Saturdays in SA with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. Yeah, we come to you live from Studio Lumo SA, right in the heart of the city, 1 King William Street. Text line, very, very busy this morning. We're still encouraging people as well. If you do have a question for Bryce, RE the camp, you can absolutely do that. 0427 154 166. Um, Gibbsy, do you reckon we should head now in a completely different direction? It's just, just to it, mix things up a little? Just flip it on its head and go from one thing to another. <laughs> it'll, it'll certainly liven the spirits up, I can guarantee that. Yeah, very good. So what we want to do is, we want your local footy stories. 
because, I mean, the amateur footballs are the unsung heroes. And when we say local footy stories, we've already had a couple of texts coming through as well when we started talking about your old man, Ross Gibbs, and some of the outstanding things that he used to do. More so at his Victor Harbour days. So the local footy stories that make you realise, oh, yeah, um, it's things are run just a little bit differently in the amateurs versus the AFL. For example, Shane texted through. He said, early 2000s, I was playing against Seton B grade and this bloke kept punching the crap out of me off the ball. The umpire could see everything. I looked at him and said, are you just going to let this happen? And he said, I need to fight back. Umpires <laughs> <laughs> were built a bit different back then. Don't worry about that little jab in the AFL that's going to get you two to three weeks. You want to protect your kidneys? You've got to go for his kidneys. Strike first or get hit. <laughs> we thought, you know what? The best way to launch this uh, new little segment called Local Footy Stories is probably to go back to uh, one of the genuine pioneers from back in the day, 253 games for Glenelg West Perth, I think it was as well, 97 odd games. 90 odd games for West Perth back in the day, yes. But maybe more so famous for his uh, ventures on and off the field at the mighty Victor Harbour Football Club. And of course, father to the great Macy and Kelly Gibbs, (laughs) (laughs) it's Ross Gibbs. Good morning, Ross. Yeah, good day, boys. Morning. Yeah, good on you. You <laughs> smoked it up pretty big, but yeah, all right. Let's let's tell me what you need to know, and I'll tell you some interesting, funny stories. Right. Well, in terms of some of these outrageous local footy stories, um, Gibbsy, where did you where did you have more fun first and foremost? Uh, West Perth, Glenelg, or Victor Harbour? Oh, look! It all look it all started. I had a bit of a personality clash in the in the days at Glenelg with um, Cornsey. He was a bit of a a bit of a Hitler on the training track, and he used to, you know, flog the guts out of us. But look, it worked in ways. But um, yeah, we definitely, I definitely had a few personality clashes with him. I'd always cut a few corners, and um, he'd tell you what to do. And look, honestly, I never probably listened to him. I knew what I could do and what what had to be done. And um, he, you know, he used to say to me, "You're a big, you're stop leerizing." I said, "Mate, you were the biggest leer of all time in in your day." So um, yeah, that's how it all started, and. Um, yeah, and then I uh, I went on to uh, country footy. I, I had a bit of a run in, not a run in, but a Ch- Choco Williams finished my career at the Bay. Told me I was overrated, no good, and I was too old. So I sort of give it to him a bit as well, and um, I didn't agree with what he had to do and the way he coached. So and then I thought well, it's time to move on. I ended up down at Victor and did it my way basically. So what about your decision to go to Victor though? I, a lot of ex Glenelg players were playing down there at the time and. You actually wanted to go and play for the opposition, and and play against these bikes. Yeah, correct. I um, I look when I finished, I was thirty four, and I thought, well, um, I had a few offers as you do when you finish from SNFL or league footy from all different sorts of clubs, and all these Victor guys, uh, all my ex Tony Simons, Peter Maynard, John C. Bones, um, Chris Ducey's, they all uh, they all down at Victor, and they sort of said, Gibbs, you got to come down to. Uh, and you, you love this place. They'd won, you know, six flags in a row, basically. And uh, I said, well, what, what, what am I going to do there? I, I, I just wanted like, to stick it to him. So I actually met up with a guy called Andrew Chidwidden, who's Nick Chidwidden's um, brother. And, I, and John H. Ellers was a sponsor of Encounter Bay. And I actually told him to their face. I got invited out for dinner. I'd, I'd actually, I was going to play for Encounter Bay um, just to play against all my old mates, just to, you know, try and give it to him. That's how it was. And then I met another guy from Victor and uh, it changed um, over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I went down and, uh, yeah, had a bit of fun there, I can tell you. 
And can you give us some details of some of that fun? I mean, if you get pressed with this question, Gibbsy, what was the most outrageous thing you saw on the field? Well, yeah, it's interesting because we had a guy who, a coach called Kim Smith, and he wasn't a real coach. He just sort of let us, us, you know, like Bryce said, there was probably about eight or ten of us who played league footy in a country footy team. And um, they they sort of come to me, Kim Smith, who was a coach, he sort of said, Gibbsy, I want you to give the pre-game, uh, my first game, my first ever game, pre-game speech, you know, to fire up the boys and, and all my other teammates who said, yeah, basically give it to Gibbsy, give it to him, let him talk. And I said, well, hang on, mate, I'm not the coach. I'm just, a, you know, I'm just sitting in the forward pocket. I don't want to chase. I don't want to tackle. I just don't. I, you, you're the coach. You tell the boys. So anyway, I, he, he made me talk and I said, look, boys, um, you don't know me. I don't know you guys. All as I can say, Prego, look, you're obviously, I know a few of my old teammates in the team. When you get it, don't muck around. Just kick it to me. And that's how it was. And uh, away we went. I think I kicked 12 the first game and that was about it. And that's how it all started. It's a simple game plan. So yeah, it wasn't hard. How did, how did all the antics sort of follow from this peg? So you're sitting at full forward. How did, was it just you were copying shit over the, the boundary line from supporters? Like how did this, the fun and games start? Like what was the first thing that kicked it off? Well, I would, you know, you'd prepare and get organised and we'd have, in, you know, blokes would be obviously looking for me. And the, 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 some of the stuff I cop from opposition players and especially, you know, people part, you got to understand, country footy, they're very passionate people with their footy. You know, they park their cars three deep around the oval, um, yelling and screaming and the, the, the barbecues going. It's a, it was an amazing atmosphere. But some of the garbage and the crap that I cop pre... And I, look, I didn't play up only... I don't only not play up, but I, the third or fourth quarter, I would start really giving it back to them. You know, I'd, I'd be... I'd have kids follow me or um, at, uh, yeah, teenagers follow me from goal square to goal square every quarter. Um, you know, throwing rocks at me and throwing all sorts of stuff at me and throwing abuse. But, mate, I actually love that, as you know, bro. I, I, I thrived on that. So that sort of got me going. And, uh, yeah, that's how it all happened, you know. Um, my, my interesting one was at Mount Compass. My first initial when I really got um, organised, I was, I, was, I was on a wing. I just ran down and I chased a bloke, which was very rare. Um, and a lady, a lady actually threw an apple at me, like she was. She bit an apple and it, it hit me in the back. I turned around, I picked up this apple, took a big chunk, of, a big bite out of it, and uh, threw it straight at her. Nearly got her right in the right in the head. And her boyfriend or whoever partner absolutely abused me for the next, you know, the next hour. And I, that that was just that was the start of the whole the whole sort of little antic thing and people for some reason thought if they fired me up uh, they'd get into my head but I actually thrived on that sort of stuff <laughs> you cop an apple in the back and it's just play on like there's nothing wrong with that it's country footy you've got to accept stuff like that rocks getting thrown at you what about this Gibbsy can, yeah. can you tell us about uh, when you tried to kick your 100th goal in the nude oh man that story's got bigger and bigger <laughs> but it wasn't yeah it, uh, look I'd kicked a couple of hundred oh a hundred each for a couple of years and I um, it was basically my last game. I was 39. Like that's how sad it was. 39, and I was on 97. And pre-game, um, every year that you know the other hundreds, the years prior, I'd do a drop kicker, I'd do a back kick, or for my hundred. So I thought, what am I going to do um, for this one? 
Um, but we, we, we struggled that year. It was in an elimination final, so we'd actually struggle because we'd all broken down. We're all too old, a lot of us blokes. But we won three premierships a year, you know, three years prior. And um, so I had this crazy idea. Well, I took my wife to, um, on the Wednesday night when the full Monty come out, all these old blokes, you know, get up on stage and take their clothes off and do what they did. I'm sure everyone's seen that movie. And yeah. I thought, what if, what if I could be the first bloke ever to kick 100 goals in the nude, and that's how I sort of. But I was never going to go in the nude. I, I, I obviously come to that point where you know we, we, we were probably eight, nine goals down at um, with uh, you know a couple of minutes to go, and um, I was on ninety nine. I had I, I, ninety seven for the day. Oh, sorry, before the start of the game, I end up kicking a couple, and then coincidentally, I took a mark right with two minutes to go, and uh, right in the goal square. And so I, I went back. Just whip my jumper off. Everyone's going, what are you doing? Everyone just go, well, I'm going to kick my 100th. I'm going to kick, and I've made the comment, you know, I'm going to kick my goal. I'm going to kick this goal in the nude. I was never going to take my pants off. Let me tell you, it was a freezing cold day. And you know what blokes are like on freezing cold days. So <laughs> everyone was gathering around. The horns are going. People are going nuts. People are going crazy. Um, I said, look, and the umpire came over and said, mate, what? you can't do it. You bring the game in just disrepute. And I said, mate, you the blokes, whatever, you know, you the guys who... Bring the game to this repute, F off, whatever, whatever. And um, so that's when the, I should have said, did what I did. And um, they sort of stopped the game. And people, get, you've got to believe, I, I can still picture people, horns, people yelling and screaming. The guy in the actual mark of uh, who I was playing against was telling the umpire, just let him do it. doesn't matter. Just let him do it. Let him do it. And anyway, the captain, Grant Levy, had to come up to me and say, Gibbs, you've got to go. You've got to get the sending off. I said, no, I'm not going. I'm going to kick the goal. I'm just going to kick it. So anyway, I, I didn't end up kicking it, and they, they threw the book at me. Um, and after the game, the um, the president of the whole competition came into the um, change room and said, "Oh, here we go, here we go. I'm going to cop. I'm going to throw the book." He said, "Look, we're going to drop all charges, whatever. Um, yeah, I know it's your last game. You're never going to play again, and um, and we're going to." Just forget about it. And I go, mate, that's amazing. And then the next year I come back and play it again. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> so that, that, that's how it was. And it, well, like I said, everyone was starting, you know, I was running around in the mood and doing this. I wasn't. I was never going to take my pants off, let me tell you. And, and I remember it vividly because I used to come down and follow you and watch you and you know, run water and sit behind the goals. And I remember this day yeah. you said to me, no matter what happens, if you're sitting behind the goal, just do not tell anyone that you're my son. And I was like, geez, yeah, that's, correct. An, that's an interesting thing to say. And then obviously that's in the amazing. last quarter, that all unfolded. And I was like, oh, no wonder he didn't want me yeah. to pipe up too much. So, hey, uh, and Ross, yeah, it that's right. explains why uh, Bryce is always trying to take his gear off too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it was a, in the 90s and 80s, it was a new thing. I remember going a couple of footy trips. You know, blokes are driving around in convertible cars um, when we're on footy in the nude. Like, it's weird. It was weird. It was just a weird time. So... And I'll just give you another quick one. Um, I never really told many people about this one. I never told the league. I never told the club. Although a couple of the boys at the club knew. We're playing my ponga in a, in a qualifying final at um, in Counter Bay. And there was a, it was a wild day. And Clayton Lamb had been decked. And there was a couple of blokes trying to king hit a few of us, including me. And um, I in the third quarter, they... They were this guy did his hammy and he, he went off and all as I got told he he come back on I said what in the opposition he was going to come back on but he, all he was, wanted to come back back on was to like basically try and king hit me because I was on about I was on about ten or twelve goals at that stage and um, 
what happened was I the guy the fullback took off and um, down the field. And what happened, he took up and the ball got turned over and on the half forward or the centre line. And I was in the goal square 50 metres by myself. So they kicked it to me. I put the ball on the ground. I'm turned around and everyone's, you know, going nuts. And um, I've turned around and told the whole opposition team, come on, who wants to try and crack me? Who wants to try and hit me? And they're all charging at me. So as they've, char- you know, we've got within 10, 15, 20 metres of me, I've actually done a back kick, like a kick and kick the goal. And they've all jumped and gone crazy and at three quarter time I was in the huddle and this group of young guys come over to me um, which I was going to be up that their end they were in a ute and one of the guys said mate I'm going to I'm going to have a I'm going to shoot you with my slug gun in the leg I go, <laughs> what, what? As, as the coach is speaking I go what anyway I told him where to go but there was a group of them behind me and as I walked off you know we're dispersed and about to start the last quarter I, I started to worry about it. I thought, well, I'm up there in where these blokes are, and they, you know, I didn't know what to think. So, I uh, I end up the whole last quarter. I was playing on the wing and on the in the centre, and all the blokes are going, "What the hell are you doing? Get up!" I said, "No, no, no. Look, don't worry. I'll tell you about it later." So, as I'm with Julie, uh, my wife and the kids, I said to Julie during the game, "Have the car ready. Get ready. As soon as the siren goes, I'm we're in the car. We're gone. We're out of here." And no one knew what was going on. And my players were going, get up in the fort. I said, no, no, no. Anyway, so didn't happen. I stayed on the ball, so I didn't kick a goal. Uh, I ended up with 12 for the day anyway. But um, well, I hopped in the car and drove home <laughs> in, in my footy gear, everything. And so, but that, that was just, that was another interesting story that, but I knew, you know, I knew that the, the young fellows were probably bluffing, but I, I, I had I just had this inkling that someone was going to try and shoot me in the leg. So <laughs> it was weird. So we talk about now umpire descent and these new rules in the AFL. And back in your day, you were genuinely fearing for your safety because someone was going to pop you with a slug gun. <laughs> well, that's right. That's what I thought. But yeah, look, and I, I never, I, I, I guess it would have never happened. But you, you just don't know. You know, you just didn't know. I really, I really worried about that, but I didn't say anything to anyone. I let it go, and that's way how it was. And um, yeah, so but look, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't running around like a maniac every week. I did what I had to do, and I kicked the hundred for a few years, and it was mate, I had the best time ever down at country footy. And I ended up playing till I was forty, and it was it was great times, and we still reminisce. As I said, they won eight flags in the nineties, and I played in the last three, and took them to a new level basically but it was good fun it was great fun oh it's outstanding mate it's been great fun catching up with you as well we got a lot of texts coming through as well just uh uh calling you an SA footy legend and things like that so mate thanks for reminiscing this morning and um keep on listening and no doubt you'll have some feedback for bryce and how he's going as a as a radio guy and i as well yeah okay yeah keep looking over you're doing good hazy that's good keep, <laughs> keep him on his toe don't let him let he take over just Sort him out, all right. <laughs> he's all right, that'll well. I, And I, I told you, didn't didn't I? You give him, <laughs> you good. give him a chance. You give him a platform to start talking. He's not going to stop. Oh, I want to see. I want to see uh, Ross as well after you know, responsibly a couple of beers as well. I just sort of feel like and a bit of a family do. I see on social media, you guys love catching up and there, so you just sort of hover around Ross and wind him up but and that, let him go. It's that's good. the thing, Hazy. That these stories keep getting bigger and better <laughs> somehow. The more mayo gets tipped on them, they just. They just they keep going. Yeah, they get legs and legs. This text uh, from Brady said, Ross gives you classic, great, funny stories, unreal stuff. Well done. You're an SA legend, mate. There's some good stories coming through. 
of some of these uh, old school local country footy stories via the text line. Some ripper. So Simon has text through. Last year, our C's centre half forward did his calf in the warm up. There was no one to make the numbers up, so the bartender had to put on a Guernsey for the first time in 13 years. He was 45 years old. He came out and kicked three, and he sank a pint at halftime to celebrate, which was poured by himself. Yeah, perfect pour as well. So Beautiful head on it. Great way to step up uh, unexpectedly. Oh, there you go. Some of those local footy stories, uh, there's just a bit of a difference in the way things are done in the amateur ranks versus what's happening in the AFL. I remember my first game playing at the Dogs. It was a trial match against the Eagles, and I played on Justin Sicilella. And he said, hey, how you going? I said, yeah, good, thanks. And then as soon as I turned, uh, looked to the side, bang, punched me in the jaw. <laughs> and I don't know how I stayed on my feet, but everything went pretty fuzzy there for a good 15 to 20 seconds. And that was a genuine welcome to South Australia moment. Things have changed a little bit since then. Yeah, well, you shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> I shouldn't have been standing next to him. All right, keep your texts coming through. If you've got some good local footy stories, uh, get them through via the text line on 0427 154 166. It's 9.52 on 1629 SENSA. This is Saturdays in SA. Good morning. Yeah, four minutes to 10 o'clock. A lot of texts coming through as well. 0427 154 166. A couple of big games for our South Australian teams coming up. Not playing for finals, but playing for everything else. And that is pride. Um, the opportunity to work with some good pieces for the future for Port Adelaide as well. Lewis texting this morning saying, look, lost tonight against Richmond, pretty much all but ends Ken Hinckley's tenure, potentially. And it's hard to disagree with that, the way sort of things are heading, but a three big wins to remain. Maybe the situation changes down at Port Adelaide, but let's start there. So Port taking on the Tigers. They will go into this game as favourites. Um, Adelaide Oval, 7 o'clock. So in for Port Adelaide comes Dan Houston. He comes back in from that concussion. Uh, big Bryn Tess Teekle is in as well for his second game. So that means that Charlie Dixon's going to spend more time as a full-time forward, which is fantastic. You'd expect that Teekle will be supported by Jeremy Finlayson. Out is Mitch Georgiatis. Dropped. Not controversial because his form's been patchy, but particularly with Marshall out as well with COVID, you probably thought that Mitch Georgiatis would stay in, but he will play in the sample. Um, and Lockie Jones has re-aggravated his hamstring and he's not going to play again for the rest of the season. Um, so first of all, where do you see this one going? Because it feels like the last four to five to six weeks, I've said I feel like Port Adelaide's going to win and they haven't. Well, yeah, it's uh, Houston's a, a big in and it's good to see Brent Tickle back in as well because he showed a lot in, in his first game uh, as a Port player. And I'm with you. With this Mitch Georgiatis dropping, you'd think if Marshall's out, it makes sense to keep him in, uh, albeit his form hasn't been at the level he would have liked. And we were all looking forward to seeing how Port were going to juggle all these tools in their forward line. Uh, but with Marshall out, they've pulled the trigger on Georgiades as well. So that is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Dylan Grimes out for Richmond's huge, along with Shane Edwards. I think, I think Port can win this game. And we just had a text before... Online, if they lose, it could be Ken Hinckley's job gone. Mm-hmm. So, say say they win. What is it that just if they keep winning, it just buys him an extra week? Is is that how it plays out, Hazy? Well, I mean, it sort of feels like it, it eases pressure. I mean, you haven't heard anything from the club directly saying what's going to happen. Um, I mean, there's a lot of wouldn't call it a distraction, but there's a lot of talk more so about Port Adelaide and their involvement in the sample during the week. Um, but the big question is: Is Ken Hinckley locked in for the final year of his contract? And we'll put it to Port Adelaide supporters. Uh, a win tonight, maybe a big win tonight, 
does that lean you towards having faith that Ken Hinkley will be around uh, next year? Oh four two seven one five four one double six. With a couple of games to go, why wouldn't he just see out let the club let him see out this year? Absolutely. If they were going to potentially move him on, that's a discussion they can have in only a couple of weeks' time. I don't see there any benefit of if say they lost this week, coming out next week and and moving him on. I just I don't see any benefit to that right now. Mm. Um, all right, let's talk about the next game, and that is West Coast taking on the Crows. Big opportunity for the second time this year for the Crows to win back-to-back games. They'll obviously go into this game as well as favourites, and they go in unchanged, which is a very good sign. And saying that, did it surprise you? I know he's had a month off, but only a couple of weeks off for Thilthorpe. Did it surprise you that Joshua Shelley and both and Thilthorpe are both playing in Sample this weekend? Didn't go straight back in, particularly for Thilthorpe. Yeah, I mean... As younger guys, they probably need a run under their belt. It's obviously they haven't had multiple pre-seasons under their belt. So that, that's important in situations like this to, to miss a handful of weeks and then to come straight back in into the side. Sometimes you just need a run under your belt uh, and that's the way they've, they've decided to go about it. And you can't fault Adelaide's lineup at the moment. They they went out last week, had a, a really solid game plan in place to take on Carlton, and they executed it perfectly. So they don't want to mix or adjust winning form, and no doubt that they'll have their eyes penciled on another win here. If they, they put another good plan in place, if they stick to it diligently like they did last week, there's no reason why they can't win over in the West, which will be a tough game yep. in Josh Kennedy's last game uh, at home as a West Coast player with him announcing his retirement this week and, and what an unbelievable player he's been. I, I was lucky enough to play with him for for a, a year when I first got drafted and uh, he's a ripping bloke as well. So uh, what a career he's had. Uh, that's going to add a little bit more emotion to the West Coast side and their fans, but uh, it's certainly a winnable game for Adelaide. Is it absolute absolutely clear that West Coast won that trade? Josh Kennedy involved in the trade oh, for Chris Judd. Geez, you love this question, this don't you? Is, you could talk about this for days. Well, what about this one? Rosie or Walsh? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what an unbelievable career Josh Kennedy has had. Like, just goes over there. I mean, no one would have expected to do what he's done. And I did. Could, could it, did you? I did, yeah. Seeing, seeing him early days, his potential, absolutely. Yeah, well, he's been uh, a fun player to watch, even if he has broken the hearts of the opposition so many times. Um, so, Crows supporters, how are you feeling? Last time, the last couple of times you go into a game as favourites, it hasn't really gone down that well, particularly against the Giants. It was early on in the season. Uh, but a back-to-back win, back-to-back wins now, would just do the club, from a football perspective, the world of confidence. Obviously, off the field, there's a lot going on. But in terms of footy, which is what the club's there for, that would do um, some very, very good things, you'd think. Yep, and I've already mentioned this today already. Guys are playing for their careers as well. They're obviously experimenting with a few players. Players are playing in some different positions and they want to find out what the the best mix is. So uh, the Adelaide players will be looking to finish the year strong and if you can do that in a side that has struggled during the year, it can actually springboard your confidence leading into pre-season. So 
uh, every week is still crucial for the Adelaide Crows in the run home. All right, we're going to speak to Tyson Goldsack uh, from the Port Adelaide Football Club ahead of the game tonight against Richmond uh, very, very soon. Welcome to Saturdays in SA with Andrew Hayes and Bryce Gibbs. Yeah, live from SNSA Studio, Lumo SA, right in the heart of the city, 1 King William Street. So if you pop by and you see Bryce in the studio, I mean, say hello, knock on the door. He'll come out, probably give you a hug and a coffee. <laughs> Shake your hand, has an absolute bare minimum. Uh, don't forget as well, the very, very good folks uh, down at Solitaire, the new performance R range now at Solitaire Volkswagen. Go down, check it out. A big game coming up tonight. Bryce, of course, for Port Adelaide against Richmond. Hopefully the weather somewhat clears up. To tell us all about it is the development coach, Tyson Goldsack. Goldie, good morning to you. Good morning, fellas. How are we? Going very well, thanks, mates. Um, fair to say, though, we'd like to see Port Adelaide have a win tonight. Yeah, yeah. Me too, actually. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, yeah. In all seriousness, it would be it would be nice, and that's kind of what we're what we're chasing. We know that you know the season as far as finals goes um, isn't there, but you still get a lot out of three games and and three weeks of development into your young blokes too. So we're um, we're going to take it pretty hard. So what is the motivation? As you just said, uh, Goldie, is it to finish off the year strong? Is it to look to maybe end Richmond's final chances? Um, how do you keep the group up motivated, knowing that? Finals are pretty much off the off the table yeah. now. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know if you go into a game try and destroy someone's finals chances, um, but if that's what happens, then we'll certainly be okay with it. We, um, yeah, we just we want to play. We just want to play the way that we like to play for four quarters. I know it's, it is cliche, and we've probably said that too many times over the last month, two months of footy. Um, but we're still attacking, training, you know. Like it, like we, almost like we're still playing for finals. You know, we we want to play the right way because as much as it, there's a big break between this season and next, it still does lead into one another. So um, we'll still still keep thinking and and acting on things that we know is good for our club and good for our players, and and hopefully we can play a, a brand of footy that's still exciting for our fans to go and watch and you know, and feel confident that we still have some some talent there and, and some good footy ahead of us. Really excited about the second gamer, Goldie. More so because we like saying uh, Test Teakle instead of Brent Teakle. But um, looking forward <laughs> yeah. to seeing what he can do. And it feels like he's got some serious potential. Nice to see him sign a new deal for next year. But what do you think the ceiling is for him for, him, for what he could do as an AFL player? Yeah, it's it, really exciting. We um, we don't know. Um, and that's, that's exciting. It's a little bit scary at the same time. Um, but it's a, a good time for him to come in and, you know, again... He, against Sydney when he played his first game, um, which was only his second game for, for our club, uh, he showed some, some really good things for the 35 minutes that he lasted. Um, really agile, athletic, uh, doesn't mind meeting the ball at the highest point, you know, attacks it pretty hard. So uh, we're expecting to see a lot of that and, and covers the ground with speed. So um, we're just hoping he can yeah, get in there. We've been using Jeremy Finlayson and Charlie Dixon in the ruck. So now we've got a what we call a genuine ruck um, going about it and yeah hopefully he can give us a good contest and, and show us you know why we got him across from Perth so well particularly tonight maybe for the rest of the season if everything goes well Charlie's day is in the middle done um, in the middle or down up forward in the in the middle so, but he'd still be up forward rucking occasionally. yeah 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 so he will yeah so he yeah he will be yeah more time up forward for sure uh, so almost 100% time up forward you'd expect if um, if Bryn can you know, play his ruck work or use his ruck work to, to our advantage and we can kind of pinch hit with Jeremy a little bit because we know that he gives us 
you know, good stuff on the ground after his uh, luck contest. So Brennan, Brennan Jez to do the work in the middle and then, yeah, Charlie can you know, be his natural forward self. And how's uh, Mitch Georgiades uh, responded to him him getting dropped? I mean, with, with Marshall out, we always were wondering how, when um, Bryn come back, how the, the forward line had looked with all your tools. Uh, and Marshall yeah. being out, um, Mitch has been dropped as well. So how has he handled that? And he's, he's obviously got a clear plan going back to the sandfall. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that makes the process easier when you know, they have a really clear understanding of why they're not in AFL, it's it's a little bit more difficult if it's if you've just been you know squeezed out due to numbers. Um, it makes the messaging a little bit tougher. But no, he knows exactly what he needs to do. He we, he played against the Centrals out at um, Elizabeth earlier in the year after being dropped and and performed really well. I think he kicked three or four and and went about it the right way. Um, so we're hoping for a bit more of that action today from him and and just work on the, the little things that he needs to work on, um, which is. A little bit of bit of work ethic, you know, working up the ground, giving us options up the ground, and and just running some nice forward patterns um, and finishing his work. It's so much easier say than do when you've effectively got the yips to just kick straight. How if if a player Goldie's going through this sort of um, patch where they genuinely have the yips, how do you how do you work through that? Because clearly it's so mental. Yeah, so we've got we've got people that work in the the mental space with him, um, yeah, mental performance space. David Stevenson, so they he works pretty closely. But it's just you know it's time with the ball in hand, time in front of goals, repetition, um, just getting yourself into a routine, and yeah, and then you got to understand the, the amount of work that these these guys do you know, when they have a set shot, the work they've done before, they've had their set shot to you know, to get the opportunity. So it all plays into to one another. It's the, the days of a a full forward just coming out of the goal square and being nice, nice and fresh, uh, having a set shot is is gone. So they're trying to to balance that time where you you're working really hard to get the footy, um, then being able to you know, reset yourself, go back, take your kick, and, and finish your team's work. So um, yeah, it's probably not just as easy as you know have a thousand kicks at goal. There's a, a bit of mental stuff in there, um, a little bit of you know physical performance stuff in there as well. So obviously a big game tonight against the Tigers, who are, are in pretty good form. They they had a draw against Fremantle, who are, we know are going well, uh, and then beat Brisbane last week. The weather looks to be a little bit wet, a little bit slippery, which could suit their kamikaze-type play that we uh, we know they bring. Uh, what sort of things are you going to do to combat that? Do you, do you want to try and kick Mark, possess a little, the ball a little bit more just to to not allow them um, to, to play their kamikaze type thing? What's going to be the, the key area to, to knock them off tonight? Yeah, I think it's just having kind of a, a nice amount of numbers around the ball, um, taking away their, their outlet options. Um, you know, so the easy ones where, where you can't then put pressure on the ball. So we think we put a pretty, you know, a good amount of pressure on the ball when it's in, you know, when it's rolling around or if they're trying to go with a, a handball chain kamikaze style. But the, the benefit for us is we've played... Geelong, we've played Collingwood, um, now we play Richmond, but all play a very similar brand of footy, so, um, so it's not as if it's going to be anything new to our players this week and nothing they haven't faced, um, but we also want to have a get over the line on those two other games, so we've, um, yeah, we've kind of scouted them pretty closely to know what they're going to bring, but we also know what we can bring, so you know, our pressure, when our pressure is where it needs to be, is, is as good as anyone else in the comp, we think, um, so as long as the guys turn up and they're, they're willing to apply that pressure and work hard to, to get the ball back, 
I think you can hurt him going the other way. Uh, before I let you go, Goldie, love that Bryn Tickle gets an opportunity tonight. Some of the other guys that might be pushing for selection in the last sort of few weeks, Ollie Lord, can you give us an update on him? How's he going? Yeah, yeah, he's going really well. I've um fortunate enough to work pretty closely with him. We've had him playing a, a key defensive role uh, for probably the last month of footy. Whether that's to, to go forward as a defender or to go forward as a as a forward, um, because it's as we know the more you learn as a defender, it does help your forward craft. Uh, so he's been playing as a defender and playing really well. His, his stuff in the air has been strong. Um, his running patterns are, are where they need to be. So I'd say he's just about ready to go if, if called upon um, and we get to that stage. So yeah, we'll look to, to find an opportunity for him if it, if it pops up over the next few weeks. Mate, appreciate the chat this morning. Uh, big night ahead and hopefully you guys can score a win over the Tigers. Thanks, guys. Been a pleasure. Tyson Goldsack joining us this morning and Port Adelaide supporters are going to brave the conditions to get down to Adelaide Oval because uh, this is one of those games where, I mean, Port's still going in as favourites. So they are genuinely supposed to win. But just, I suppose now, you're looking for little bits and pieces like Brent Tickle. Is he up to it? Could he be the answer next year? Is he a long-term ruckman? But just more so passages of play or four-quarter performances that would suggest that, yes, the future does look bright. Yeah, and you will see the, the real diehards still turn up hazy. And when your team's... Out of finals contention, the, the weather's a little bit cold, a little bit wet. Uh, the, the real supporters still will be there. So hope they can get uh, a lot of fans there tonight. And I think they're a big show tonight, Port. I think, I think they can win. Mm. All right. Uh, a lot of texts coming through, Bryce, which we need to address. Uh, a few questions are either camp. So we'll do that before 10.30. Keep them coming through. 0427 154 166. Uh, don't forget as well, the new performance R range is now at Solitaire Volkswagen. Go and check it out. It comes to you live from Studio Lumo SA, right in the heart of the city. One King William Street. A lot of text coming through for you, Bryce. RE The Camp. Uh, and that chat's going to be on the podcast ASAP as well. So stick around, have a look at the socials because um, really strong, powerful stuff, as we expected. Uh, but the text line, 0427-154-166. As a player who has now shared his story, bravely, so would you like the media to now leave it alone or allow everyone and allow everyone to move on rather than forcing you to relive it every day? Well, the, the the issue that we it lingered on for so long is because blokes didn't come out and or they felt like they weren't allowed to come out and say what they thought. So if if this w- was to happen four years ago when it all unfolded, we wouldn't be talking about it now. So now that guys have come out and spoken about their experiences, I don't know if any other players involved on the camp or staff or coaches will come out and, and have their views on it uh, but now that it has absolutely we can move on and not have to bring it up anymore I st- it's still going to linger on for a little while as it's all fresh this week and I'm unsure of the fallout that's going to happen from here but once now it is on the table everything's been spoken about all the details have been revealed absolutely let's just get on with it like we've it's been lingering for four years now that it's been put on the table, we don't need to talk about it anymore. It's only been four years. It's unbelievable, isn't yeah. it? Who would have thought it's still going on? And maybe we're only starting into the heart of it. This question as well. Just a quick one for Bryce. Without having to name names, do you think everyone involved in the club at the time of the camp has been held accountable? Uh, probably not at the time, no. No. And that's probably why you've heard some frustration from players this week. And it's been surrounding that. Mm, okay, there you go. Um, still time to uh, answer some texts, so get them through. 0427 154 166.
Um, we've spoken about it before as well, though. But I, I suppose has this has this brought you in touch with old teammates more so because of this? Well, not, not necessarily in touch, but I've been proud of the way a couple of guys have handled it this week in in Eddie and Josh. It's obviously been playing on their mind a lot, and for someone like me, I. I didn't lose a lot of sleep over it because it didn't affect me as much as they did. So for them, it's obviously been playing on their mind for a very long time. And, you know, after they had come out and spoken and finally got things off their chest, I was proud of them. That was the, that's the word that comes to mind. And I I got in contact with both of them post them coming out and and having their, their say. And, um, and, and I told them that I said, well done. It's huge. Very brave, and I'm, I'm proud of you for, for putting it all on the table. So, again, without naming names, and it's a couple of texts that's come through on this, but there's other players that were deeply affected. I, absolutely. and that, that, said, we won't, that we won't hear from, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and some of those guys might not have all been in Group 1 either. Um, activities still went on in Group 2 and Group 3, and, and guys could have been affected just as much as guys in Group 1. Uh, and some we will never know if they don't come out and, and have, have their say. So we certainly understand that. Um, but for the guys that have come out and, and shed a bit of light on, on what ha- what's happened, they potentially could be speaking for a, for a number of other players that aren't willing enough or don't feel comfortable enough to come out and, and say what they want to say. A lot of texts coming through just saying, in general, thank you for your uh, for being so open and honest and dealing with the situation and I suppose uh, helping to educate people what actually happened. I think that's the biggest thing over the last four years is that people are sitting there and you, you've seen reports and as it's turned out, the reports from Sam McClure, Caroline Wilson are absolutely spot on but just need to play confirmation. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it has been a little bit easier for me to to talk now as as I've mentioned numerous times today is that my experience wasn't as full on as, as other players but um, I'll reiterate again I, I felt disappointed reflecting on my time when it happened that I should have supported these guys a bit more and help voice some of the stuff that went on where when I chose to sit back and, and not say much so um, yeah it's, it's all on the table now. Yeah, appreciate your company this morning and appreciate the texts as well. They have been coming in thick and fast. 0427154166. Tommy's in. Tommy, it's been a really, really big show and I'm going to put this question to you straight away. How do we get hold of this stuff, particularly Bryce's stuff early? Yeah, so the podcast is up right now. Uh, Saturday's in SA in your podcast feed. If you want to get Bryce's story, personal story on the Crows camp because there's a, a bit going on there. Um, we've also posted that on SENSA's Twitter page and then the full podcast of the entire show because there's a lot there. That'll be up soon. Very good stuff. Bryce, just relax, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. The media will be coming. (laughs) Any any more media commitments? Not today, no. I'm sure they'll come through thick and fast, though, but uh, anyway, it's all all done now. Well, you just relax. Uh, Seriously, though, and a lot of the texts are saying the same thing. Well done. Like delivering all that stuff. Yeah. It was very, very strong. It was very powerful. You were very open and honest. So Thanks, we appreciate Bruce. that. Very good stuff. All right, stick around. Jared Waitley, Luke Hodge, Britton Stance, and just to name a few are going to be part of Crunch Time. Um, good luck to your team this weekend. Make sure you stick around and uh, listen to SNSA's outstanding coverage of the sample. We'll do it all again next week. Good stuff, boys.
Enjoy your day. <laughs>